Welcome to the City View Community Church Podcast. Whether you're here for our weekly sermons, leadership chats, or conversations about life, we are stoked that you are here. If you want to know more of our story or want to partner with us, head over to cityviewcc.com. Our prayer today is that you walk away challenged, encouraged, and more passionate about discovering your purpose by knowing God, loving people, and living on mission. Let's jump right in. Well, happy Easter. My name is Danny, if I haven't had the chance to meet you. And I'm so honored that you're hanging out with us this Easter. We believe it is going to be an incredible day and a time for you to to connect with the Lord. Regardless of where you are in this faith journey, we know that God is going to do something in your life. Hey, as we celebrate this monumental day, I want to kick a brand new series off called God and the Underdogs. And this whole series is, is about underdogs and stories of people from the Bible, anyone who felt like they were unqualified, under-equipped, under-seen, unworthy, overlooked. And the reality is throughout Scripture, we see God graciously inviting all kinds of people with all kinds of struggles into this beautiful story. He's inviting them to discover their purpose and to live on mission to take their their past mistakes and their present struggles, their future hopes and dreams, and to surrender them to be a part of something that is so much bigger than themselves. We'll see how God used flawed, insecure, overwhelmed, fearful men and women to absolutely change the world right where they were. The reality is we, we all love a good underdog. Like just this past week and weekend, we got to go on a ride with the San Diego State Aztecs as they just, the Cinderella story through March Madness. And, and we love underdogs in sports, and, and as much of a sports fan as I am, I honestly, I love hearing the underdog stories in business as well. This, this idea of these young, scrappy entrepreneurs facing all of the adversity and climbing the mountain to become successful, it just... It inspires me. And as I thought about that, I remembered an underdog story from my youth that now it's pretty shocking to think about them as an underdog. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, it was in the height of power for blockbuster movie rentals. There was nothing like browsing blockbuster on a Friday night going through all of their selections, picking out the movie that you want or two, and getting in random arguments with people about whether or not Die Hard was a Christmas movie, having conversations and and waiting at, at the very beginning of the day for them to unlock the door so you can grab Titanic on DVD on the day that it came out in Blockbuster. I still remember the cutouts of Mel Gibson from Braveheart. Like, I, I can see it in my mind, the little cardboard cut out, the blue on his face, and he's just, just taking on the world. Freedom! It's amazing. I loved Blockbuster. I remember the late fees. So many late fees. I remember the metal drop boxes that, that were outside where you can drop your DVDs off through the slot. And I remembered how they would scare the mess out of you every time they closed. Just, wham, bam, bam! Like I, all of those things 
just created this nostalgia about the movies. I, honestly, I fell in love with movies because of Blockbuster. In the early 2000s, Blockbuster was crushing it, and they had an opportunity to buy this little scrappy underdog company that was starting to make waves, a company that was a, a competitor of theirs. And the price to buy this little company was $50 million. And at the time, that's, that's a lot of money, but it was an opportunity for them, and they, with pride, declined it. Within 10 years or so, they started shutting down stores by thousands. And today, all 9,000 plus stores are closed, except for one in Bend, Oregon. I, I still wanna go, it'd be awesome to go there. But this, this little company that they decided they were unafraid of, this underdog that they overlooked was a little company called Netflix. And as of the beginning of 2023, Netflix reported that they have over 230 million subscribers. That doesn't even count the seven people who have your password, the, the people who are just borrowing your account, right? Millions and millions of people. Blockbuster is gone while Netflix is at the top of the food chain. The amazing thing about God is this truth. God uses ordinary people to be a part of his extraordinary plan. You see, God never views us as an underdog because he understands what he deposited in us. God never sees you as this young, scrappy underdog because he knows the potential that he placed in your life before you were born. He knows the gifts and the talents, the temperament, the potential that rests inside of your soul. All so that if we choose to discover our purpose in him, if we choose to surrender our life to him, that we would get to be a part of his extraordinary plan, his extraordinary story, and that we would be able to make an everlasting impact. He never views us as the underdog. In fact, the Apostle Paul goes deeper into this, and I love how he says this in 1 Corinthians 1. He says, brothers and sisters, consider who you were when God called you to salvation. Not many of you were wise scholars by human standards, nor were many of you in positions of power. Not many of you were considered the elite when you answered God's call. But God chose those whom the world considers foolish to shame those who think they are wise. God chose the puny and the powerless to shame the high and mighty. He chose the lowly, the laughable in the world's eyes, nobodies, so that he would shame the somebodies. For he chose what is regarded as insignificant in order to supersede what is regarded as prominent, so that there will be no place for prideful boasting in God's presence. For it's not from man that we draw our life, but from God, as we are being joined to Jesus, the anointed one. And because of that, now he is our God-given wisdom. He is our virtue. He is our holiness. And he is our redemption. This week, for Easter, we're going to talk about a famous underdog in the story of Jesus. A disciple named Peter. Now, if you want... 
If you want hope that God can do something extraordinary with someone who is, is flawed and raw and brave, Peter's your dude. Peter was the definition of ride or die. Until he wasn't. Peter was, was the definition of, hey, we're, I am bad boys for life. Like, we are all in. He was the friend who had your back in a fight. He was the first to jump, the first to talk, the first to keep it real, the one who said what everyone was thinking, but no one was brave enough to say. Or maybe they were just wise enough to realize, probably should say that in this moment. Peter was all in. When Jesus called Peter to be one of his disciples, Peter was a fisherman. He and his crew were fishing and they fished all night and they hadn't caught anything. And that next morning, this stranger shows up on the beach and he says, throw your nets on the other side. Peter, being the smart aleck that he was, is like, oh, hey there, strange man. Uh, we tried that already. There's something in his spirit that said, just do it. And for whatever reason, he takes the advice of this stranger on the beach and they throw their nets on the other side and they caught so many fish that the nets began to break. And that's all Peter needed in that moment. He was all in. From that moment, he followed Jesus everywhere that he went. And Peter was was the one who saw Jesus walk on water and he, and he said, hey, Jesus, tag me in. I want to do that too. And Jesus says, come on. And he steps out of the boat and he takes a few steps and he's literally walking on water. And he realizes, I'm, I'm walking on water and he starts to panic and, and he falls. And the amazing thing is that we judge Peter's lack of faith to keep walking on the water, but we, we forget he was the only one who got out of the boat. He was the only one that said, hey, Jesus, if you can do it, I can do it too. There was this incredible, just raw nature about Peter. That moment was Peter in the nutshell. Jesus, whatever you do, I want to do it. Like, let's get this. I am all in. I am heart first, head last. He would be the first one also to understand and recognize who Jesus was. But even in that moment, he let his, his heart get in the way of thinking through what he was saying. Jesus, in, in a moment before he was heading to the cross, he asked his disciples, he said, hey, who do people say that I am? Who do, who do people think that I am? And the disciples answered him in Matthew 16, 14. He says, well... Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And then he asked them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replies, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because of my because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You didn't learn this from any human being. He's saying, you heard this from God. Now I say to you, you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Ten points for Peter. 
Like incredible. You heard from the Lord. You, you were able to recognize that Jesus is this Messiah that your people have been waiting for forever. But literally just a couple verses later, Peter's heart gets in the way. Again, in Matthew 16, 21. From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was, it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem, that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. But Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Could, could you just imagine this moment? Jesus, can I see you in my office? Come, come on over here. Peter says, Heaven forbid, Lord, this will never happen to you. What are you talking about? Jesus, serious, turns to Peter and he says, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You're seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. From blessed and a rock that I'll build my church to Get behind me, Satan. Like, this is the extremes of Peter. It's, it's heart first, head last. I'm, I'm going to reprimand Jesus for doing what God has called him to do. Like, how dare you say that you're going to let this happen? I'll never let this happen. And Jesus is like, bro, you're allowing Satan to use you. God just spoke to you and revealed my identity. Now you're letting Satan use you to try to stop me. Like, whoa, this is Peter. But what I love about Jesus is that he didn't abandon Peter because of his mistakes. In fact, Peter was a part of his, his inner circle. Inside of the 12, there were an inner three, and Peter was part of those inner three that, that saw what even the other disciples didn't get to see. He had exposure in Jesus' life in ways that no one else got to see. Jesus didn't kick him out of his inner circle. He didn't, he didn't say, hey, bro, you, you just run your mouth too much. You're out. Instead, Jesus proved to us through the life of Peter this truth. Jesus isn't looking for perfection. He's looking for progress. He's not looking for perfection. And, and for some of you today, you've believed the lie from the enemy that in order for God to use you, in order for God to love you, in order for God to see you, it requires you getting yourself all together. You think that in order to, to be a part of a church, in order to, to follow Jesus, you have to figure things out on your own. But Jesus proves to us through Peter's life that that's just not the case. Jesus shows us that you can belong before you believe, that you can, you can be a part of this story. You can begin to follow him. The prerequisite for a relationship with him is not perfection. It's simply pursuit. When Jesus was calling his disciples, he didn't go, hey, I see you as a prospective disciple. I'll be back in a year once you kind of like clear up your language and stop tax collecting and you get it all in order. I'll be back in a year to check in on you and then you can follow me. Jesus says, no, right here, right, how, right the way that you are, flaws, insecurities, lifestyles that you don't need to be a part of, come and follow me. I'll take care of the rest. Jesus is not looking for perfection. He's looking for progress. He's looking for pursuit. Will you simply follow me? 
as we get to Jesus' death on the cross and the story, he starts to unpack all of this with his disciples. And Peter, again, teaches us a powerful lesson. Matthew 26, 31. On the way, Jesus told them, Tonight, all of you will desert me. For the scriptures say, God will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I've been raised from the dead, even though I know that you're all going to run away, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and I'll meet you there. And Peter declared, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. Peter says, these jokers might go somewhere, but me, not me. I'm all in, Jesus. Jesus replied, tell you the truth, Peter, this very night, before the rooster crows, before dawn hits, you will deny me three times. You will deny that you even know me. No, Peter insisted, even if I have to die with you, I will never let this happen. I will never deny you. And all the other disciples vowed to do the same. Peter shows us something. Peter shows us that that we overestimate our strength. Some of you might be thinking, well, everybody else needs to rest, but not me. No, not me. They, They might need to process their emotions, not me. They might need to recognize their limitations, but I am limitless. At least that's how you live your life. Living your life within your own strength your own power, your own plans, your own schemes. But have you noticed that things rarely ever go how you plan for them to go? Have you noticed that every time you think you've got a beat on what life is going to look like, all of a sudden, that right turn comes out of nowhere. That drop-off comes out of nowhere. That pothole comes out of Nowhere. That brick wall that you didn't see coming comes out of nowhere. Have you ever noticed that every time you think you're in control, life proves to you that you're not? You see, you've tried to do things in your own way and you've gotten pretty far. You've done some great things with your life, but if you were honest with yourself, you would say, you know what, it's pretty exhausting. It's pretty overwhelming. And there are a lot of days unfulfilling. And the reason is because you can use your gifts and your talents and your your intelligence and your strengths to accomplish some really good things. But the ultimate fulfillment of your purpose is found in and through a relationship with your creator. Peter overestimated his strength in this moment. Back in the garden, after they leave From this moment, Jesus is praying. The disciples are passed out sleeping instead of watching like they were supposed to. And Jesus is praying, hey, God, hey, Father, if there's any other way, if there's any other plan, can we go with that plan? Like, this this is a lot. And honestly, I don't think in this moment Jesus was, was fearful of the cross. I think what Jesus was fearful of in the moment was the weight of bearing our sin. This person who was fully God and and fully man, who had never sinned, he was perfect. He fulfilled every single one of the 600 plus laws. 
He lived it out to perfection. But he understood that there was a moment when the sin and the shame and the weight of all of that would be on his shoulders and there would be a separation from God. Jesus would have a moment where he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it was overwhelming. As this was happening, Judas, one of his other disciples, betrays him. And and as they're arresting him, Peter cuts off the ear of one of the soldiers. Bad boys for life, Jesus. And just chops it off and Jesus grabs and pops it back into his head. And he's like, Peter, stop. But the real test for Peter was yet to come. As it continues in Matthew 26, Verse 57, then the the people who had arrested Jesus led him to the home of Caiaphas and the the high priest where the teachers of the religious law and the elders had gathered. And meanwhile, Peter followed him at a distance and came to the high priest's courtyard. He went in and he sat with the guards and waited to see how it would all end. Skip forward to verse 69. Meanwhile, Peter sitting outside in the courtyard, a servant girl came over and said to him, you were one of those with Jesus, the Galilean. But Peter denied it in front of everyone. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. The first denial. In this moment, Peter shows us that the fastest way to forget what God says about you is to be overly focused on what others say about you. The fastest way for you to forget who you are in Jesus. The fastest way for you to forget who God created you to be to forget your purpose, to forget why you live, to forget how you were created, to forget the strength and the potential and the blessings he's put in your life. The quickest, the fastest way to lose sight of those things is to be overly focused on what other people say about you. I think Peter, if he were here today, he would challenge us to investigate whose voice carries the most weight in your life. You see, in this moment, all of his bravado disappeared. He, he let the fear of what others would say about him cause him to abandon the one he vowed to give his life for. I don't know who that is. I have no idea what you're talking about. Peter would say, investigate whose voice carries the most weight in your life. He would, he would tell you that when you allow someone else's opinion someone else's perception of you, someone else's insecurities to have more weight in your life than God's voice. Danger follows. Heartbreak follows. Pain follows. Last week we we talked about this, that the, the enemy of your soul, the enemy of your purpose, he understands that if he can get you to question who you are, if he can get you to be confused in your identity, that he can undermine the purpose God has for you. That if you spend all of your time trying to figure out who in the world you are, rather than just simply believing who your creator says you are, you use all of that energy trying to figure out who you are rather than living out the purpose and the mission that's before you. Some of you today, you've allowed the voice of a flawed human being to have more weight in your life than the one who created you. You've allowed what they said about you 
to determine who you believe you are today. And you've forgotten the words of the God who created you, the God who loves you, the God who pursues you. Peter would say, hey guys, don't make the same mistake I made. As the story continues, it says, later out by the gate, another servant girl noticed him and, and said to those standing around, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, Peter denied it, this time with an oath, I don't even know the man. A little later, some of the other bystanders came over to Peter and said, you must be one of them. We can tell by your Galilean accent. And Peter swore, a curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know the man. And immediately, the rooster crowed. Suddenly, Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows, you would deny me three times that you even know me. And he went away, weeping bitterly. Peter teaches us another valuable lesson. Doubling down on a mistake rarely leads to solving the problem. Peter doubled down on a mistake. And many times you're doing the same exact thing. I'm doing the same exact thing. Hey, like when your family is desperate to spend time with you, more overtime, more money, another promotion won't solve the problem. You're doubling down on a mistake. When your relationships are struggling because of how you've handled them, doing the same thing over and over again rarely leads to a solution. Doubling down on a mistake. When we're trying to control everything under, under the sun and it, it leads us to being wrecked and riddled with anxiety and fear and overwhelm and stress. Gripping even tighter rarely leads to a solution. For whatever reason in our lives, when we are making a, state, a mistake, instead of just stopping and going, hey, God, what? What do I need to do here? We double down. This isn't working, so I'm just going to work harder. I'm just going to do more. I'm just going to keep doing this, and eventually something will change. You have to understand that following Jesus is not defined by how hard you work, but instead how willing you are to let go of control. In other words, our responsibility is obedience. God's responsibility is the outcome. You see, like Peter, when we try to make our responsibility the outcome, we mess things up. Even if we have the best intentions. Even if we're trying to do the right thing. And, and Jesus invites us into a relationship where we surrender the illusion of control. Where we allow faith to be the landmark of our lives rather than performance. Understanding that when we are obedient to Christ, when we're obedient to the heart of God, it allows Him to be the one who's responsible for the outcome. If Peter's story ended there, it would be pretty heartbreaking. But thankfully... Peter reminds us of one last thing when it comes to our, our lives, our mistakes, our efforts. He shows us something about Jesus' heart. Jesus is crucified. He dies. 
And just like he says, three days later, he raised, he was raised from the dead. Peter didn't know what to do with himself. He had screwed up the greatest opportunity of his life. He had denied the Messiah that his people had been waiting generations for. He, he let Jesus down and he let himself down. And even in the fact that Jesus died and rose again and Jesus was, was going and handling the last couple little things here around, Peter was, he was lost. He didn't know what to do with himself. And the disciples are scattered and Peter decides what any good man would do when he's depressed and he doesn't know what else to do. He goes, hey boys, let's go fishing. So they hop in the boats and they start fishing and no luck. No fish, no healing, no hope, more depression. Until a voice calls out over the water. Throw your nets on the other side. And immediately, John and Peter recognized who it was. They knew it was Jesus. Peter couldn't wait for the boat to get there. He jumps out of the boat and he swims 100 yards to the shore because Peter needed to see Jesus again. Before he could move forward in his life, he needed a moment with his Savior. Before he could move forward, he needed a moment with his friend. He needed Jesus to come and find him again. He, he needed him to find him in the place where hopelessness meets grace. Peter needed Jesus to find him in that place where, where the lies could be replaced with the truth. A place where he could find healing to move forward again. John describes it this way in chapter 21 and verse 15. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know that I love you. Then feed my lambs. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know that I love you. And take care of my sheep. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He didn't realize what Jesus was doing. And he says, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus says, then feed my sheep and follow This is such a powerful moment because Jesus, full of grace and wisdom, he, he wanted to ensure that Peter did not let one single ounce of doubt creep into his mind about the mistake he made. He wanted to ensure that there was no room left for the enemy to rob him of his peace. Jesus acknowledged Peter's three denials and he challenged him to replace the, the doubt, to replace the denial, to replace the mistake with love. He makes it clear, hey, Peter, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Well, if you love me, live on purpose. Peter, do you love me? Yeah. Jesus, yes, I love you. Well, if you love me, then feed them, love them, lead them, care for them. Peter, do you love me? 
If you love me, then love them the way I love you. Jesus took every one of the opportunities the enemy could have said. Well, I denied him three times, and Jesus says, I'm going to cover each and every one of them. We see this powerful truth about the heart of Jesus in this moment. And and as much as he wanted Peter to understand this, he wants you to understand it too. Never mistake the end of a chapter with the end of the story. The reality is this, family. Your story is not over. Your journey has a long way to go. And today you get to decide whether you allow the, the resurrected king the Savior that we desperately needed. You have the opportunity to allow him to be the one that you follow with your whole heart. You get to close the chapter of whatever season you're in and allow God to start new. For some of you in this moment, you need to make that decision to ask Jesus to be the leader of your life. You've been doing it on your own for so long. You've, you've pursued every avenue to try to find fulfillment, to fill that hole in your heart. But the answer you've been looking for is Jesus. And you simply need to pray a prayer. There's no special words. There's no special things that you have to do. It's simply saying, hey, Jesus, I believe you are who you said. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you rose three days later from the grave. I believe that you you did all of that so that I could be redeemed and, and connected with God again. That through your sacrifice, Jesus, I can have an eternity with my creator. To simply say, Jesus, I will follow you. I surrender control of my heart and my life to you. For the rest of us, what do you need to surrender to Jesus in this season in order to fully step into your future, confident that Jesus loves you, that he's with you, that he's for you? Maybe for some of you today, you need him to heal your wounded heart. Maybe for some of you, you you need him to give you the strength to forgive. Maybe for others, you need him to give you hope for the future because your your anxiety and your fears is blocking you from having hope on the other side. You need him to bring peace to the chaos and the storms in your heart and in your mind. You need him to calm the raging seas, bring peace. You have an opportunity today to start a new chapter in your journey. Even those of you who have been on this faith journey, to close this chapter of of what has been and say, Jesus, I'm asking you today to start a new chapter that I can step into. Understanding the way that you loved Peter is the way that you love me. The way that you used Peter is the way that you can use me. The way that you forgave the way that you let go, the way that you covered his mistakes, the way that you, you saw in him what was there, I believe you can do that same thing.
through me. And as we do that, I believe God will start a new chapter in your life. A chapter that's defined not by how hard we work, but defined by how deeply we pursue our Savior. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray right now for my friends. I pray for those who are watching this that maybe they've never started this faith journey or maybe it's been a long time. Would you give them the courage to put their hope and their trust in you? That they would ask you to be the leader of their lives. That they would surrender it all to you. Jesus, I pray for each and every one of us. Would you let this be a defining moment in our spiritual journey? That we would close the chapter of this season and start a brand new one that is marked by our pursuit of you. That like Peter, we would be all in that our hearts, that our minds, that our soul, that our strength would be all in with you. Jesus, we believe that as we do that, as we celebrate your resurrection today, as we understand what it is that you did for us, that we would see your purpose on the other side, that our story still has a way to go, and our story can be marked and defined by you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.